0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you, my pretties, are listening to a rad Broadcasting premier podcast, Damn You Hollywood! And here's your host, Robert Winfrey. Yay! All right,
1: everyone, here's your disclaimer. Here's your warning. This is going to be ugly. And I'm not sure both Mark and I are going to live through it.
0: How how ugly will it be, Robert? Why would you I don't have a follow-up. <laughs> <laughs> Bump set boink on the head. <laughs> on the um, head. can I can I tell you I've missed this? We it's been a little less than a month. The last time was Pinocchio, and what a shit show that was. We had an extra person, my internet was crappy that night. It was just not not great. But I have I have missed the authentic Robert and Mark experience. It's well, been too long, my friend. It's been too long. I think, not uh, since Prey, right?
1: Uh, Probably about then. Well, look, yeah. you, you may have survived Hurricane Ian, <laughs> yeah. but...
0: Well, welcome, uh, to, welcome to the tropical storm that is the damn you Hollywood experience. The cavalcade of natural disasters
1: evoked by this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, Roland Emmerich would look at this and go, it's a bit much. <laughs> yeah, this... You know... We are talking, for the record, we're talking Blonde, which is the horribly fictional (laughs) pseudo-biopic of Marilyn Monroe. Can
0: can I quick read you something? Because I thought this was kind of hilarious. Okay. So, first, demographic information out of the way. Blonde is a 2022 American biographical film written and directed by Andrew Dominic. More on him in a moment. Based on the 2000 novel. Novel. Not biography. Novel. Of the same name by Joyce Carol Oates. The film is a fictionalized take on the life and career of actress Marilyn Monroe, played by the lovely Anna De Armas. Cast also includes Adrian Brody, Bobby uh, Cannavale, rather, Xavier Samuel, and Julianne Nicholson. And I got to read this to you because this, among all things, cracked me up. Right. Andrew Dominic served as the who served as the director and screenwriter for the film. Had begun development on this project as early as 2010, uh, which is an adaptation of the novel Blonde from 2000. Uh, Dominic said he did his own research by reading several of Monroe's biographies and that he used very little of Oates' novel Blonde in the movie but he also added that the book was pretty much the bible for the film how? <laughs> I don't understand those two things are not the same
1: okay. that that series of sentences <laughs> tells you
0: everything you need to know about this movie, this movie and how well- utterly <laughs> How this movie utterly... is both fictional and real at the same time. It's both black and white and in color. It's both up and down. Like, what the fuck, man? This
1: movie is terrible. <laughs> I... We froze my camera. Like That's yeah, how that's bad what... this movie is.
0: <laughs> this movie is now, de- is now breaking both space and time. the uh, Vertical me... and horizontal. Just a sec. No, oh, You were supposed to fix this problem with a new computer, my friend. The problem is not my computer, I don't think. Right? Hang on, wait.
1: I'm probably going to cut. When I hit the start webcam button, it's probably going to kick me out. So let me try this. Nope, nope, it did not kick me out. All right, wait. The, that that pr- the problem here in this case is not so much my computer. It's I think it's a bit more my webcam and the interface with.
0: The, the but the, but stuff. this movie and its incongruency in the in just those sentences alone. <sighs> yeah.
1: Makes every <laughs> bit of like makes every bit of sense in the world. There's almost none of the there's almost none of the fictional novel in here. We used uh, I did a lot of my own research. Uh huh. And what does your research consist of? Twitter and TikTok. <laughs>
2: Other fictionalized are, versions.
0: I'm, I'm reading that sentence, and I'm suddenly realizing this is the pitch meeting for the Itchy and Scratchy show from The Simpsons, where they came up with Poochie.
1: You're not wrong.
0: Yeah, this is Poochie the Marilyn Monroe story. And I feel a little dead inside having said that now out loud. Yeah. So can we? Can we just? Can you and me just talk? Can we? Can just, just you just hear me talk? Just the All two of right. us. Nobody else around. Okay. Yeah, we
1: don't have an audience.
0: Let's. Let's. We, we do. But let's just. But don't worry about the audience. Just meet Let's dim the lights. Light a candle.
1: No, I. My, my lighting get-up is not going to be touched.
0: Metaphorically. Let's. Okay. You and me have a romantic talk about. How, once again, is there not an adult running Netflix?
1: This feels like a ref movie. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong.
0: Ro- Robert? <laughs> yes, Mark? Uh,
1: I, I'm, I'm certain that in like eight months, it'll come out that whatever the director's act is just a... It's an alter ego. It's a it's a screen <laughs> pseudonym for
0: reference Re, is Re, just going around fucking with people now. Like it, it's the uh, I oh god, what was it where? Um, it's the and Andy Fred Sav- directing. I was gonna say it's like Fred Savage playing a bunch of different characters, like Rush Limbaugh and all you know, and Michael Michael Moore. I think, the, I think that was a Family Guy joke. But he, where Fred Savage was the greatest living actor of our time because he kept playing all these various like
1: all these different people were
0: actually just Fred Savage. <laughs> exactly. Um, I picked up, uh, rather, I pulled up Andrew Dominic's, um You, uh, what do you call it? Wiki. So oh, here's what he regale me with his oh. laundry list of accolades. Okay, so here we go with his film biography. Now, now buckle in, everybody, because it's a long one. Okay, there's like Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise, this fucking guy. In 2000, he wrote and directed Chopper. All right. Seven years later, he wrote and directed. The Assassination of Jesse James by Coward Robert Ford. I actually don't hate that movie, but okay. Five years later, he wrote and directed Killing Them Softly. Eh. And now we're here. Okay. This guy, this guy got how much
1: money for this movie? So this guy comes out of hibernation once every five or so years. (laughs) Right. And... Previous iterations of his very artistic style were at least reined in via studio executives who had a stake in what was going on, saying no, no, no. Here he finally—he must have finally just—he popped his head out of the ground like friggin' Puxatani Phil and went, "Ooh, Netflix is a thing," and Netflix said, "Here, pile of money." And he went, "Hey, twenty-two
0: million dollars for this. So it's not exactly a Marvel movie or anything, but." Think about this, right? Think of all the good you could have done with that money. Think of all the I, other I, movies you could have made with twenty million million. Netflix <laughs> does not care. Netflix has so much capital. For, I mean, like, have you ever looked Allegedly. at the Netflix? The, the Yeah, well, the Netflix stock price is like, the, is like the gross national product of like Uruguay. It's ridiculous. So they have all of this capital that they can use for content creation. And rather than create the content, which they don't know how to do, they buy it. In walks Andrew Dominic, penis, uh, just glazed in gold. Listen to these awards that he's received. He got he won best director at the AFI Awards in 2000 for Chopper, <clears throat> he won an IF award for best independent new filmmaker for Chopper. This is all for Chopper. He won the Cognac Festival du film for a uh, Critics Award Grand Prix. He won the Film Critics Circle of Australia Award for Best Director. Um, And then he won Western Writers of America 2008 Best Western Drama for The Assassination. And then he also won the Stockholm International Film Festival for Killing Them Softly. So this guy who who has all these different awards um, comes into Netflix and they don't know shit from Shinola. As we've documented podcast after podcast, film review after film review at Netflix, they wouldn't know a good or a bad project if it hit them in the fucking head.
1: As evidenced by their laundry list of both.
0: Yeah. So this guy walks in and says, Here's all my awards. I'm fancy. And they go, So you are. (laughs) And they say, make us make us a prestige (laughs) film. And so he's like, I want to adapt this weirdo fuck novel about Marilyn Monroe. From you know a decade ago, and they're like, "Great, Marilyn Monroe, she's popular." Two decades ago. Well, when when this was when he was doing it, it was 2010. So it was by then it was only a decade.
1: Well, he started working on it in 2010. That doesn't mean Netflix was involved in 2010.
0: (laughs) So my point being, he walks in and he's like, "I want to do this weirdo project about Marilyn Monroe," and then and people at Netflix with their lizard brains go. Oh, Marilyn Monroe is something we know from popular culture, which means other idiots will know Marilyn Monroe from popular culture, which means they'll watch this movie. Here's a check. Go make your fancy art film, fancy art director. And he pranced his way into this nonsense and made him a vanity project. Why are you doing this? Made himself a vanity project. that I'm going to make a bold statement, Cotton. I'm going (laughs) to... I'm going to say this might be the most vanity of vanity projects ever in the history of film. And that's going some. I mean, it's not the Irishman, but it's pretty close. You know, (laughs) there, there is definitely a, there's definitely a part of me that when I was thinking about you and watching this film that was going be after the Irishman experience, Robert may walk away from Daniel Hollywood after he watches blonde, because if he has to watch another three hour Netflix vanity project, he may come all the way to Tampa, knock on my door. I'm going to open said door. He's going to punch me in the face and go, not funny. Uh, It's, it's tempting. It's been (laughs) tempting at various points in time. Oh, can we just stop with the fucking Netflix vanity projects already? Jesus, Mary and Joseph.
1: It'd be real nice.
0: look, I'm going to, we haven't done this pitch in a while. And after this, just go into what approximates a plot synopsis. Yeah. I'm going to make this pitch. We haven't done it in a while. It's been, you know, it might've been like during the audio days. This is the last time I had to say this, but I'm going to tweak it a little bit. Tweak it for modern times. Hey, Netflix, these two jabrones, we work cheap. Put us in charge of content curation. We're not going to make anything. But when people come to pitch their bullshit, let us say who gets the check and who doesn't. Because whoever you've got, whatever monkey, whatever spreadsheet creator, whatever business school graduate you've got doing that is not doing a good job. Let us. Let your friends here. We're your friends, Netflix. We're your friends here at Damn whatever You Hollywood. Whatever, whatever you're paying that idiot right now,
1: you can take 10% off of it. Mark, Give that to Mark. Give that to me. We'll split and it. Take
0: his salary. We'll split it. We work from home. I'm, I'm not coming into an office. We work from home. <laughs> we will take pitches via Zoom.
2: And we will curate
0: fun. your content for you. So that this monstrosity, this this crime against cinema doesn't happen again.
1: Can I tell you related to this? Yes, sir. I heard the best pitch for a podcast. It's called 90 Minute Movies. Okay. You go see a movie and whatever's happening, you leave at the 90-minute mark and then you just review what you saw.
0: That's amazing. <laughs> that's that's right up there with the Red Letter Media guys who one of what they both saw half of the Transformers movie, one saw the first half, one saw the second half and then they reviewed it together. Which only which only is just a little bit better than me going to see Gem and the Holograms and you going to see Paranormal Activity 5 and both of us reviewing the movies together. That was something. It was. What an experiment that was. Hey, tell me about this garbage movie.
1: All right, so this movie is, as we mentioned, a profoundly fictional account of the life and
0: times of (laughs) Marilyn Monroe. This is Marilyn Monroe in name only.
1: We start out with her as a small child where she lives with a demented mother who lies about her father. She winds up at an orphanage. We we fast-forward past all of her other formative years to her as an actress, and she's struggling to come along and she gets a degree of fame. And this is all narrated with the worst purple prose you could possibly imagine. <laughs> she hooks up with another couple of guys. they I, ha- I have a
0: sneaking suspicion the recording studio was set up in the periwinkles, so as they're doing the narration, they could skip through it.
1: It felt like it. She forms a bit of a... What do you call it? With a couple of other guys and... Polyamorous
0: is- relationship, of which I know nothing about. She, f- and and all is great,
1: and if only... Wait, that- hang on,
0: hang on, fuck me and the goat I gotta, ass, I gotta do it. Can <laughs> you feed me that line one more time?
1: She forms whatever-you-call-it with two other guys.
0: Oh, you mean a polyamorous relationship of which I know nothing about? It's a, it's a long way to go to do that joke twice, but I had to do it. Can yeah. you please continue? <laughs> and, you
1: know- is great, and if only we they could have lived together in their bliss <laughs> life <light,
0: Polyamorous> grand
1: <laughs> for this for this poor put upon woman who's struggling with her identity. And is she Marilyn or is she Norma Jean? And what's going on? And this was her happy place, Mark. Don't you understand? Here she could live, her truth, and all was great and grand and glorious.
0: There's nothing happier than a polyamorous woman. I'll tell you that right square, Robert Winfrey. I believe you, Mark. <laughs>
1: you said that with about as much of a uh, look, as straight of a face as you managed to pull
0: there, I'll vote for you. So I'm running on that campaign. Two men for every woman, polyamory in 2020, 2028.
1: That would go so badly on a societal level. <laughs> it goes badly on an individual level, to say nothing of societal. <laughs> Move on. Anyhow.
0: Before I get myself in any more trouble.
1: She gets pregnant. Uh, She decides, right about this time, she discovers her mother has some kind of degenerative mental disease. It's implied to be Alzheimer's. And she's worried about it, and she doesn't want to lose her career, so she kind of gets, so she decides to have an abortion. This is all couched in the worst cinematography you could possibly imagine we flash forward again she's a bit more of a star she marries joe dimaggio but he's an italian man therefore he Where must be have abusive
0: on joe dimaggio our nation turns its lonely eyes to you so Woo-woo-woo. naturally he's
1: controlling and abusive and his all the other female figures in his life his mother his grandmother his aunts they all hate marilyn
0: because <laughs> why, why wouldn't you she's
1: receiving letters from theoretically her father And she breaks up. She divorces Joe. She marries friggin' Adrian Brody and his Woody Allen-looking ass.
0: (laughs) That's Arthur Miller, sir. Ain't American storyist Arthur Miller.
1: Okay. (laughs) Seriously, look, I I appreciate his work. Mm -hmm. But okay, that's Arthur Miller. Fair enough. And she gets pregnant and then miscarries. She had several miscarriages. Throughout the course of her life, which is always a terrible thing.
0: And abortions and talking feet eye.
1: Yeah, that was a thing. Uh so she and Arthur Miller's relationship becomes weird. She goes back to working, and eventually you have to understand. This poor put-upon woman, Mark, this poor woman who just doesn't know who she is.
0: I don't understand, but- Robert. What do you mean? Tell me because I don't understand.
1: Sorry, I I forgot the scene where she's abducted by the Secret Service to give head to JFK.
0: Can I just tell you that's the worst looking JFK I've ever seen in the history of cinema?
1: Most accurate JFK in the history of cinema. (laughs) Listen, I
0: understand I'm on the phone with the premiere of What's Uh, Up, but you're going to have to give me a blowjob. You don't understand.
1: While I'm in my girdle and nothing else. (laughs) I... The more I look into JFK, the more I realize he was just Zap Brannigan.
0: All of the podcast, bud.
1: Yeah, when we do our presidential rankings podcast in preparation for the election, we can do that. That'll be fun. So, there's that and this you have to understand like this poor woman who's been abused and drugged and doped and just wants the love of her father but she, she can't have it because he's a man and everything he wants is bad and doesn't know who she is and this whole industry has just chewed her up and spit her out and when she's told that one part of the Gemini I got to yell about this real fast. I just have to yell about this.
0: Really? Do we, because I was do I was like pantomiming your your plot synopsis and then, and then you ruined my rhythm.
1: We're, we're a Gemini, except there's three of us. You mean twin? You mean triplets, dipshit? <laughs> I hated that line so much. Like, oh, we're both Geminis, because we're astrological symbols, and you can find the constellation. Yeah, the three of us, we're like the Gemini, but there's three of us. You're supposed to be this, at least partially educated. You. <laughs> like, if this was I a hobo. Guarantee I, I guarantee
0: you. I guarantee you when they were writing this movie. Like no one no one even blinked an eye at that line. Like that's not not. I'm writing them dumb. That's I'm dumb and I wrote that line.
1: And I think it sounds good. Yeah. I think it's profound. Like I stole it off of this 13-year-old's Tumblr.
0: (laughs) No, know. This is only written by Andrew Dominic. The the artsy, the award-winning Andrew Dominic.
1: So they one of them dies. Uh and sent her a letter wherein he confesses to having been the one writing her all these letters from her father that she's been hanging on. And this, Mark, this revelation shatters her reality. She wanders through a garden and then dies of an overdose. And we linger in a shot that I'm sure was recommended by Quentin Tarantino on her feet as they hang over the bed for far too <laughs> long. All
0: right. Look, the good the and, bad, and the I opposite.
1: if you okay. Anybody out there? Let me just start with this. Mm -hmm. If you feel like you want to watch this movie, watch it at one and a half times speed at a bare minimum. (laughs) Save yourself the three-hour runtime.
0: One odious amounts of cocaine, just just mountains of the shit. Like, don't even be.
1: Tony Montana would not be able like. Him at the end of that when he just sticks his face into this mountain of coke.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, that don't even be like classy and dainty about it. Like birthday cake, that shit. <sighs> yeah. Just blah, <laughs> Richard Nixon in a girl's ass, that cocaine. Because blah, it's the only way you're getting through this movie. So my my wife, my wife watched this with me, and, and granted, like her <laughs> <laughs> and, and your marriage survived. <laughs> um <laughs> survived that incident <laughs> yeah to, well, to live another day um so my wife she's like into like the Step Brothers, and she's into um you know oh. adam sandler comedies and stuff like that like she's not like she's the opposite of me like here you and i having elevated film discussion right there's her i like the money pit she is the peter griffin of <laughs> movie is <laughs> the peter griffin of movie fans but she was interested in this, and she watched it with me during the recovery from Hurricane Ian. And it was she was one of those where she turned and she looked at me, and she was like, this was a three-hour car wreck. I didn't know what I was watching. It was ugly and disgusting, but I couldn't look away, and I don't know what it was I just saw. And I know that we we shoot for like a two hour film discussion, but I'm not sure there's a better review of this movie than what she that's said. That's
1: about that's about it. Um.
0: <laughs> All right. So, so the, the good there's Anna one. de there's
1: exactly one good thing about this movie.
0: Okay. Anna de Armas' performance is revelatory. She is <laughs> phenomenal. No, she really is. You you do your thing. I'll
1: counter. Yeah. I'll I'll counter you later. You sure. do your thing.
0: She, I I truly believe. She lost herself in the part, as any good actress should. I did not see Anna de Armas anymore. I saw this ridiculous portrayal of Ma- Marilyn Monroe. I truly believe that she gave herself mind, body, and soul into this performance. And i it was about the only thing anchoring me to the film. I was engaged in her body movement, <clears throat> her line delivery, her utterance of the word daddy about 1.72 billion times. One
1: wonders what kind of <laughs> fetish the director has.
0: There are certain now, the film technique in this movie is so bad it should be studied, but there are certain things about it, especially related to her performance. There's different like filters and screens they used on certain shots that truly made her makeup and costuming shine bright. It was almost like she was backlit in certain scenes. And, when I'm struggling to find something nice to say about this movie, I can at least safely say <clears throat> there are, there are scenes of her where she looks phenomenal. Like you were truly looking at a piece of art as she moves and talks through this movie. Um, and that is a combination of her, her acting, her, her performance and how the, those scenes were shot. Um, and uh, so all the credit in the world to her, you know, Adrian Brody is Arthur Miller. I mean, I don't really have anything to compare it to, but he seemed fine in it. Um, Bobby Kavanaugh, Cannaval, uh, plays a douchebag in everything he's in and he does it really, really well. And so as drunk douchebag, abusive Joe DiMaggio,
1: this movie um, did almost as much damage to Joe DiMaggio's reputation as to Marilyn Monroe's like, it's just,
0: yeah. (laughs) But he, but I mean, like he was asked to play an abusive douchebag, he, he did it in spades. He, he, you know, he was he. We talk about villains. You're you're the expert. You did like a nine hundred year podcast on it. i well, for crying I mean, out loud, it ran for like two and a half years. It wasn't actually <laughs> that long. Um, yeah, but you had like nine hundred shows. Uh, he, I really, he exactly. If anybody presents menace in this movie, it's him. Like he's in some pretty scary stuff with her. <clears throat> I thought so. I thought he did a good job. Uh, that's about all all the positives i have to say about this film is utterly incoherent it's kind of like like a russian gift box at times where like a scene opens and then it opens again and it just gets smaller and smaller and smaller and then then like something weird happens and like we're back in another place and you're like what the hell if for the if an nothing else than there's a there's a passage of time and you kind of get an idea of what's happening to the Marilyn Monroe character as the film progresses. You honestly would have no idea where you are in the film at any given time. It, yep. There's non-linear and then there's, we shot a bunch of stuff and then we threw it up in the air like Sheldon's paper from the Big Bang Theory and then whatever order we picked up the film cuts in is the order we edited in. It's all over the goddamn place. Like, it starts off okay enough where she where she's a child, but once she becomes Marilyn Monroe, I don't know what the fuck is going on half the time.
1: I feel like the only things that had, like, a specific point
0: in time are the beginning and the end. Yeah, very much so. Um, there's excessive. There's poignant. Uh, there's exploitive. And then there's the scene where she blows JFK, which was almost comical. And it did And it wasn't it really supposed to was.
1: be. It really was. It, it, it's, it's supposed to be tragic and uncomfortable. Right. And it's just funny.
0: Right. It is the, the, this poor it go, actress. First of all, it goes on forever.
1: She's she's
0: having to mime this. This poor yeah. girl. And very obviously mime it. Right. And you were supposed to feel sympathy for her for having been subjected to the sexual abuse, but it's so you you don't. <laughs> You know, there are times I make the comment that some of these films that we talk about, it seems like it was, like, directed by an autistic person, you know, or George Lucas. Or did I repeat myself? Um, a little bit of both. It's like they're directed by people who don't understand people. And so when you're going for an emotional tone, but you but you're a robot who doesn't understand how emotion or people work, you make something that's unintentionally funny when you were going for poignant and uh, and trying to draw sympathy from your audience. So a lot of the stuff that happens to Marilyn where you're where you're supposed to feel for this character just comes across as at best crass and at worst almost like a parody. Like it's it's comical at times. And this is not supposed to be a funny movie, but I absolutely found myself laughing at it at times. And that's a failure of tone that is a failure of screenwriting that is a failure of directing when you can't figure out how to maintain the tone you're intentionally going for it it's baffling i wanted to like this movie i really did because like you listen to this and you're like oh he doesn't really like artsy movies i do but there's well-made art and then there's i think i'm making well-made art but i'm so dumb i wouldn't know well-made art if i fell over it and probably did more than once while making this movie um uh, I, can we talk about the talking fetuses for just a moment if you feel so inclined <laughs> so abortion is a very serious subject and not one that you and i will um express an opinion on for the purposes of this podcast i mean i but, i will if you want me to i don't but (laughs) oh but i'm going to (laughs) but if you decide to take a perspective on abortion in your film on something as important and as sensitive as abortion you really have to be careful and you have to be responsible with the message you're portraying this was almost the equivalent of like the woke lesbian nerdy girl screaming into a bullhorn in someone's face. Only at least that person I could sympathize with. I, what he was going for with the anti-abortion message in this movie was so tone deaf. And it, it makes you uncom- It makes you uncomfortable watching it because you know that you're 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 mishandling this message.
1: For the record, so what I'm about to say does. So you all understand what I'm about to say. I believe elective abortion is one of the great evils of our time. Now, don't confuse me with one of those idiots who doesn't understand medical necessity. I said elective, and I said that very specifically. Now and you said this is a nuanced subject. I'm not here to debate my position. I'm not here to debate yours. I'm this is not what this is about. It's I say that so that you understand the following, even if this is theoretically taking a position I agree with, it's so badly handled I hated it.
0: yeah this, this that's what I'm saying. There's making your point and then you're making it so badly you're, no one could be behind your point. yeah it's I get into fights with my dad and my dad will make an argument about something but he'll make it so badly that even if he's right i don't want to listen to him anymore you effective communication is the ability to maintain your audience and get them to continue at least listening when they don't want to listen anymore your message is so utterly incoherent that you lose the audience entirely it doesn't really then matter what the message is anymore like he, they, he may have had a point i'm not going to get into the right or wrongs of abortion that's not why we're yeah. here what I'm saying is your delivery matters. And this was so bad. Like, if this is supposed to be some sort of like con- like conservative ally art piece, you know, where he's like, I am with you conservatives, being pro-choice, being, you know, being pro-abortion is bad. It's evil. It's sinful. I Only the most neckbeardy, far-right, evangelical, zealous lunatics would stand with this message and go, yeah, blonde speaks for me. Yep. Blonde I, speaks for you no You one. lose anyone with a, with a modicum of common sense.
1: Yeah. Blonde speaks for no one about anything. <laughs> Look, if uh, to kind of pair this, to kind of understand a little bit better, if all you do is keep the abortion scene and then have her like deal with the trauma, you have a much more effective message. Like again, whether you agree or not, right. If all we're talking about is again, the the messaging and the way you can discuss this topic, that's it. You keep the scene and you keep some of her dialogue about after the fact when she's struggling with it and you show her struggles to, you can even show her struggles to carry the term after the fact, because this is, you know, the fifties or sixties. So somewhat naturally the medical technology is awful when it comes to this. But instead, well, we go just way, way, way over the top because, yeah. of course, we do. Um, I, I give Anna DeArmas credit for her emotional acting in this. Like she she clearly put a giant amount of emotional work into this and give her all the credit in the world for that. Would have been nice if her accent could have been consistent for about 10 minutes at a time because man you and i both i like, guess one of the first things i said about this movie i get like yeah. 30 minutes into like can her accent just be be consistent please that's all Can't, i want
0: i wanted to make an argument that maybe it was a style choice and it was just one of no. those like i one of those like damon wayans spike lee moments where i'm gonna do it this way only spike lee for all all that you hate him told damon wayans no and this asshole was like Anna de Armas, you're so pretty. Whatever acting choice you make, I'll go with. And she so, was like, what if I do all the accents?
1: So sometimes she sounds loosely like Marilyn Monroe. Sometimes she sounds like herself. Sometimes she sounds like herself doing a bad Marilyn Monroe impression. I was going to
0: say, sometimes she sounds like Betty Boop.
1: More than once. It's all over the place, and it's very annoying, and it's very it takes me out of the movie. <laughs> More than once. Um, this is a director who has. I'm gonna. I'm gonna paraphrase a famous quote from, I believe, Roger Ebert. He said about Battlefield Earth, that catastrophe. The director has clearly learned from better directors that he can tilt the camera. He has not, however, learned why to tilt the camera. Yeah. This director knows. Oh, I can do some stuff in black and white and some stuff in color, and never bothered to learn why. So I. I can't figure it out. I thought about this because this was bugging me. Like. We're in color in some places and black and white in others. Why? Like, this is a choice. Something the uh, director is doing deliberately. Not an accident. This is in color. This is black and white. Why? I don't know. All right. I'm unplugging the camera and we're just going to deal with that. I don't. I need a new camera, I think, more than anything. Already. So apologies, but you just get to deal with my voice for those of you listening.
0: I hate the fact that every time this happens, you lose the picture, so we don't get, like, Cthulhu running for president anymore. I know, I'd have
1: to, uh, and then I'd have to reset everything, so uh, it's a pain. So, my apologies. You're fine. But, oh, I know that, you know, Memento plays around with some stuff in color and some stuff in black and white. It does. Right, but when
0: when you're doing the change in aspect ratio thing, or you're doing the change in filter. So, the most obvious example would be The Wizard of Oz. You show the world in Game Boy colors, and then when she enters the world of fantasy, suddenly everything is vibrant and colored. Okay, yep. there's a reason they did it that way. In The Wizard of Oz, it was to, it was to show that contrast between the the real world and the Oz world, the fictional world. When you do it in different movies, um, so like American History X, I think was another good example it. of why why you do things in in black and white. There, there are re- the change in the change in filter, the change in uh, tone, like visual tone is supposed to say something about the it's supposed to say something about the narrative of the film it's supposed to say or, you know, or supposed to express the theme of the film when you're doing it. It's kind of like the guy in the art studio who's just throwing pink everywhere. Yep. And you're like, OK, but what is what are you trying to say with this piece? And you're just like, man, the world doesn't make any sense. Like, ugh.
1: all right, it doesn't, but that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it it's bizarre because, like, initially, it's like, okay, are we playing around with time? No, we're not playing around with time. Is she, she in black and white only when she feels alive? No, because right. there's D- because there's does
0: different. This, does it speak to her state of mind in any way? Like, when it's, it, and like, it, and when it, it's... It, go ahead. And it,
1: Doesn't because there's like the same state of mind at different points is sometimes it's in color, sometimes is it only is it only related to the acting when she's in black and white? And then well, no, because there's a bunch of people not her. There there are some scenes not featuring her that are in black and white that have nothing to do. Like it's utterly inco like you said, it's incoherent. It it makes no sense.
0: But it's not just narratively incoherent, it is aesthetically incoherent. It's all over the place. You cannot sit there and tell me this guy had a perspective. He had a point of view, and he was getting the audience to said perspective through the visuals in this film. This fucking guy was like, again, just standing in the room, throwing paint and garbage everywhere, walked out self-satisfied, and everyone took out their dick and just, yay, all over it. Because art, ladies and gentlemen, it is it is the, the most pointed editorial about art and content in the modern world that you don't have to try or be in any way coherent or consistent for people to shower you with praise because no one knows any better. We are trained to believe that the mere attempt at elevated art is good art there is no discernible uh editorial critique it's just i mean you know we make the joke and we'll do it later well, when we get to the critical like review your opinion man <laughs> it's all relative dude um nothing matters but we, we talked about this when we, when we get to the critical review later in the show that so many reviewers are content to jerk off a project so they won't get uninvited to the party they, they want to be in the in crowd, so they have yeah. to watch what they say. And you, you mix that with, you know, decades now of this idea of we don't want to hurt people's feelings. No, it's okay to tell someone that their film is garbage. <laughs> it's okay. It really is. It's well, okay to, to grab a director and go, everything you're doing is bad. Please listen to somebody on your crew. Take some of that $22 million and the giant ego it's stroking and listen to somebody else. Your film is a paella of nonsense. Please focus.
1: You know what I think has happened? There was a time, Mark, in both of our lifetimes when people were not afraid to call out pretension. Yeah. Here's what I think.
0: You said it.
1: Here's what I think happened. I think our society has become so pretentious we're afraid to call it out anymore. We can't tell the difference.
0: Well, I that goes to I think an absolute lack of self-reflection.
1: Oh yeah. Th- there's no self-reflection here. It's whatever came to mind. Like there and there's so much cheap emotional manipulation that goes My, on in this
0: movie. L- the l- more we're talking the more I realize that uh, that Andrew Dominic might not actually be a person. this this film may have in fact been directed and uh produced by twitter wouldn't
1: really surprise me
0: (laughs) like Uh, andrew dominic died in a fire somewhere and like his body was the living embodiment of twitter and that living embodiment was like i must i must make film now
1: there's an ai somewhere that is just combing (laughs) twitter and every five (laughs) years or so it, it cobbles together enough stuff to spew out a script
0: my god this is what this is the answer This is the answer of what if five hundred monkeys typed a screenplay. This is what
1: there was a time when a director would have the good (laughs) sense to at least put Alan Smithy as directed by on something like this, (laughs) right? Uh, This movie is cheaply manipulative. Yeah. Like, hey, here's a bunch of sad stuff, and it's and if you're not a robot yourself, you will have an emotional response to this in in a vacuum. Oh, this disturbed mother is abusive to her child. Oh, this poor woman is in a assisted living facility because she can't take care of herself. Isn't that tragic? Oh, this poor woman has an abortion, and again, this is something that's going to affect people. And oh, this poor woman is dragged by the Secret Service, partially drunk and/or high, to service the president because he desires it. And shouldn't you feel badly about all this? And like we mentioned, oh, about look the at time this you- woman
0: who woke up from you know several induce several nightmares within a nightmares to cut, be, be woken up covered in blood.
1: And not even realize it.
0: Yeah, as she stumbles across, you know, high from barbiturants. It's like, ugh. And,
1: and again, like, the sad thing is when you're this deliberate and exploitative with it, by the time you get to the end, it's funny. Yeah, And it should, like, I, I go back to the, there's a joke that was made on an episode of American Dad about uh, this is one of the spoofs of uh, James Bond, where uh, the, ro- alien, ro- the ro- alien Roger plays the film director, the tearjerker, and his goal <laughs> right. is to murder the world right. by having them all watch his sad movie. They'll cry themselves to death. And he shows the trailer. And it's this Down syndrome slash autistic Jewish boy during the Holocaust and his cancer riddled dog. They <laughs> call the movie Oscar Gold. Do you get the joke? Because Seth MacFarlane is not subtle either.
0: <laughs> well, he also is doing a cartoon parody. It, you know, you don't have to be subtle when you. I'm when, aware.
1: When, I'm just you know, saying. That's your frame. I'm just saying, not a yeah. subtle guy.
0: No. Well, he's much more. You're gonna hate that. I would say this and disagree, even though you haven't watched the show. But the Orville is a lot more subtle than his cartoon work.
1: I'll. I will absolutely agree that it is more subtle. That does not make it actually subtle. Fair enough. And at, after this plot is foiled, he's, he, as he's running away, he says, "I've got another movie. It's a documentary. It's four hours of a dead ch- of a baby chimp trying to revive its dead mother. Like <laughs> we may as well have thrown one of those in here. Like, <laughs> like it's just a collection yeah. of sad stuff." Devoid of context, devoid of narrative, devoid of anything to make you actually care. It's just, hey, isn't it sad when a dog dies? Yes, it is. That has nothing to do with your movie, though.
0: It really does get to a point with this movie where you no longer in any way feel any kind of emotion towards Marilyn Monroe, towards Norma Jean.
1: By the time she
0: dies, you're like, you couldn't have done this 20 minutes ago? Well, can we talk about two things before we, before we finish with our hour-long discussion here and move on to the next segment? One, this thing is almost three hours long. I think it clocks in two, at...
1: It's 2.47 and change, including yeah. the tra- credits.
0: So we were two hours into the movie, and my wife and I looked at each other like, how much longer is left? Because we got other shit to do. And there was a whole other hour left. And like we both had a collective "fuck this movie" moment. We could not. I, there's no way. There's no way this got through editing with an adult in the room going all of it, all two I'm hours. Sure, and I'm sure. I'm sure there's
1: minutes. a. I'm sure there's a four hour director's cut. I'm like sure
0: Martin Scorsese this. watches this and go, "This is a bit excessive." There, and the Irishman no is still on.
1: An, and the Irishman is like a documentary where events are portrayed in real time, and it's still ongoing.
0: <laughs> yeah. If you if you turn on the if you turn on uh, Netflix right now, you'll catch the ongoing presentation of the Irishman. That's about twelve years long. Um, if you if you try to
1: watch if you have a dual monitor setup or something, you try to watch the Irishman and Blonde at the same time, the universe just collapses in. And if on your itself. kid
0: won't go to sleep at night, if you're just like go the fuck to sleep at school tomorrow, put the Irishman on. Not that it's a boring movie, but if you make your kid sit and watch that thing, just by the sheer of like like passage of time, they will go to sleep. That's true. This movie is still. Too long, (laughs) even by Irishman standards. There's no, there's no way. There's There's no way an adult sat in that editing room and let this happen with any kind of professional film ability to discern when one should edit and when one should not. There's so many. This thing is so full of babies that should have been killed. No pun intended. Like I, there's no way. There's no way someone didn't sit watch the dailies and go come on 20 minutes of this abortion scene really we need we, need we go back that to much, it. we need we need that much footage of her vagina the the inside of her vagina and, <laughs>
1: come and on. Getting, look here's all of these scenes of her and these other two guys just kind of walking around being drunk and here's a scene of Marilyn walking through her garden and here's a scene of Here's a scene of them driving, and it's just, it's
0: a long road to nowhere. So, the second thing I gotta bring up, the controversial, controversial NC-17 rating. Let me tell you. um, Least NC-17 of
1: all NC-17. Well,
0: you know, as sex pervert as me and my my wife are, we were like, hey. And you're on on a registry. (laughs) You can, yes, it has gifts on it that you can buy us. Um, we were like, "Oh, Hotsy Totsy Anna de Armas, blonde movies, NC17, Arrr. least sexy no. movie I've ever seen to get an NC NC17 rating." By the way, like, cl- first of all, and you and I have talked about this with our discussion of like French uh, new wave, French noir uh, film, uh, the you know the the rape and revenge film. You and I had a fairly in-depth discussion of that when we talked about, speaking of Refin, when we talked about Too Old to Die Young. And so I have seen some rape movies. I have seen some rape movies. More than Indian a few. Movies. Yeah. Um, there are two or three in this movie that would barely register a PG-13 rating. That, yeah. There's it's- nothing here.
1: It's it's very like the the marketing around this or the buzz around this was very oh much God.
0: misleading. You would think Anna De Armas was in a fucking gangbang in this movie, filmed in visceral detail.
1: Director's mm-hmm. cut again, four hours.
0: <laughs> Directed by I mean, Rob Black. Um, I'm sure Anna
1: De Armas is very annoyed because she put a lot of effort into that
0: scene. And <laughs> she walked t- out of the wrestling ring covered in took, it Took him a full week to shoot. <laughs> in real time. Gotta get um, the angles right. <laughs> multiple shots. Urgh. Anyway, listen, what I'm trying to tell you is that the all the sex in this movie is so like blandly done. Like we, we sat here it's, for a good hour. It's half not even, a, it's not even sa- artistically interesting. Well, that, that's what I'm fucking saying. Like, so much of this movie is like, look at the tilted camera and the change in this, you know. And then like we get to the sex stuff. And it's like, I've seen better shot porn. Okay. Well, I, and
1: I could here's here's my thing about this. I could accept it if you were trying if the director was trying to make a point about
0: it. Mm-hmm.
1: Like the, the scene where she
0: It was like it was like the least interesting thing to him about her life. Like, oh, she got raped three and four times. Meh, just shoot the fucking thing and let's let's get back to her fall. Let's get back to the multiple angles of her falling on the beach.
1: Uh, and all this discussion about her un, her lack of identity is she Marilyn is she Norma and who's who and what's what and yeah. oh please don't send me back there to act I won't be able to survive it. So if again, your purple, NC... your, your purple prose freaking inner monologue that intrudes at random points for no discernible reason.
0: Um, for those watching this for the first time, this 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 is what we like to call the Robert and Mark experience because it's one thing when we like a movie, the shows are okay, we have fun. Boy, are you getting what this show is really like when we both don't like something. The only other experience to have while watching us is when I really like something and he really hates it and we almost come to blows over it. You know, um, we've
1: never... We have never yet had the reverse of that, by the way. Just for the <laughs> record, we've never, we have not yet found a movie that I really like that Mark really hates, and we uh, really go. Maybe
0: after Blade it. Runner twenty forty nine or whatever the hell it was. Um, even
1: like even that, I appreciated Blade Runner twenty forty nine, but your complaints mm-hmm. about it I thought were entirely justified.
0: Fair enough. Um, anyway, my point being, for those of you watching this maybe for the first time, wink. Um, <laughs> you picked a good one. Anyway, yeah, so. So the sex is bland. Not all like this, (laughs) yeah. The the sex is bland. The sex is flat. Um, but the abortion scenes. Oh boy, now now if you're like why NC seventeen, the abortion scenes, and that is the only fucking reason. The only reason.
1: Hang on. I mean, we're not going to talk about the politics around this. And again, I, I. I only brought up my opinion so that you'll understand when I said I thought this was badly presented and argued. It's coming well, from a guy who does, in fact, agree with some of this yeah, fundamental... Rob's comments. position
0: was betrayed by this movie. That's the point.
1: Yeah, that, that's more accurate. You know, believe it or not, um, abortion is, in fact, one of those things that is a gi- it is still a giant cinematic taboo. You don't show it. Right. Like, <laughs> you show well, it this and, might be
0: the reason why.
1: I mean, look, it's a whole... Whatever your stance on the availability, if you can't acknowledge the horror of abortion, and I mean this is a pure, like, a physical sense. Yeah.
0: It is a horrible... Th- it is a horrifying thing. Sure. Women who are pro-abortion, um, who have had them, will speak... Whether they agree or they disagree with having had one, will tell you they've all experienced trauma from it. I mean how can you deny that it wouldn't be a traumatic experience? Um, And,
1: and it's one of those, it's one of those things that there's a, there was a movie that came out not too long ago that actually showed one. That was just a, Mm -hmm. a, it was a dramatization, not a documentary style thing, right? But it was meant to be, you know, accurate. Mm -hmm. And it, it genuinely like horrified people. And it's the and this this movie was I think it got an NC seventeen and that's literally the only violent thing in the movie is this opening bit the rest of it's like a thriller so that
0: goes to this movie where like and and again so I recently not to dig up this old sore but I recently listened to Jesse and I talking about cuties um (laughs) you know so. Real quick, just to kind of tell people who might be listening for the first time, don't know what we're talking about. "Cuties" was a French film that Netflix purchased and then distributed. Netflix got in trouble for distributing this movie, not necessarily because of the content of it, although the content of it was controversial. Um, but they marketed the movie and focused on sexualizing the adolescent girls who the movie is about, and it is the, it is about them dancing luridly. The movie is more than that, and. At a separate time, or you can go back in, in the archives uh, right here on W2M. Uh, you can go back in the archives and listen to our review of Cuties. But the movie, what the movie talks about um, identity, about uh, about youth and growing up and you know, fighting with your family and all of that, exploitation, sexualization of little girls, all of these things that the movie is talking about. One could debate, and I'm not doing that right here, and I'm not inviting debate on this. Um, one could say, did so coherently and with a real uh, real pointed editorial uh, point of view. Some would say in a very exploitive and negative way, that's for you to decide. The point is, it did those things, right? It had a very clear perspective. Um, and then Netflix was like, yeah, we don't care about that, Let's let's change. So the poster, the French poster of the movie is the girls with shopping bags walking in a French street. And it yep. looks almost like celebratory. Uh, Netflix threw that poster in the trash and was like, how, how are we going to get people to watch this movie? Um, show them in their in their dance outfits with their legs spread open, up close shot of their vaginas. Okay? Bold move, Cotton. <laughs> people were pissed. <laughs> like Rightly it, so. And it, it got to the point with the controversy around Cuties where no one cared what the movie was about anymore. They only cared about that poster. And then, to a lesser degree, when Netflix was just was marketing the film uh, on the internet, did they show the kid fighting with her family? Did they show some of the domestic abuse that was going on in that family? Did they show some of the bullying that goes on with this girl? Nope, none of that. You know what they showed? Uh, 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 whoop, whoop, whoop. Just the dancing, just the lurid dancing. And I don't know if you know this or not, but people were pissed. <laughs> There was yeah, there was there was an outrage. Two or three scenes of dancing in the entire movie. That's all Netflix focused on. And so when people were like cancel Netflix, that was a big part of the reason why. You utterly lost focus on what this movie was about and what it was trying to say and only focused on the sex part of it and you utterly misrepresented the film. Why am I bringing that up? The parallel to Blonde is love it or hate it. Appreciate it for what it's doing or like we're doing. Trash it utterly. The movie definitely has a perspective on what Hollywood does to women. And it completely (laughs) fucking ignores that. And only focuses on the fact that it got an NC-17 rating. And you would be led to believe, you would be led to believe, Robert Winfrey, that it only got an NC-17 rating because of the sexy fun times happening in the movie, not because of the up-close, gross, completely unnecessary shots of this woman's multiple abortions. That's why the film got an NC-17 rating. And they didn't focus on that at all though it would have been nice if they did, because then at least they would have been honesty in the marketing. No, instead it was like, come check out Arna de Amis's tits. This is the the marketing of this movie and the crime against the shitty film in and of itself, because even shitty films deserve better marketing than this film got. The crime against this marketing and the the crime against this film via the marketing, again by Netflix, just like in Cuties, is the equivalent of Cheech Marin, Outside the bar in from dust till dawn, yelling about pussy, it's that bad. I'll give you the final word and we'll get out of here and move on to the next segment. I don't disagree
1: with you about that. Um, look, if all you want is Anna de Armas nudity, there's other movies where she's naked.
0: Go watch Deep Water, and we hated that one too. Not as much as this one.
1: <laughs> uh, that, that's true
0: or hey go go hear the early arguments about robert and i about polyamory eh, <laughs>
1: that, that was not about polyamory that was much more about the movie kind of i was talking about the movie your projection is your own so. <laughs> oh you yeah it again if you do want to watch it watch it at one and a half times speed i beg you you will save yourself <laughs> There's so much of this that is just pointless pretentious fluff. It doesn't matter, it could have been cut. It could have easily been cut. Um yeah, this this is another example of a film that was made utterly absent anything approximating oversight
0: or, you know, um maturity.
1: Yeah, there's there's none of it here. There's
0: just none I of think, it. I think I said in the chat, and I want to say it here loud for everyone to hear me. This is like baby's first student film, but with a Hollywood production professional budget. This is why you don't give students in film school $20 million.
1: Yeah, it really... And it's weird for this guy to basically be going backwards in terms of quality. I would... There's a very real argument that Chopper's the best thing he's done. And... Again, you could argue that you could argue the assassination of Jesse James, but it, it's it's weird for guys for directors to get worse as they go along. It happens, <laughs> but it but it is well, rare.
0: Again, if you if you keep, here's the thing: if everything you do ends in a hand job, you're just gonna keep doing whatever it is you're doing. You're never gonna get better. So here, you know, here here's the thing, and I'm round this all the way back to the beginning of the discussion when we've lost the ability to offer criticism and accept criticism as a method of growth and maturity, you end up with a population of people with arrested development. Everyone, everyone is a horny 15 year old girl with no insight at all. Oh wait, that's another projection. Everybody is a teenager. It's this movie. (laughs) Everybody is just an asshole teenager That nobody ever says no to, and that throwing
1: throwing pseudo profundity onto their tumblers. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Anything else before we move on? No, I I think we've torn this thing about as far as we're going to tear it.
0: I believe uh, our sexual assault on this movie was much more tasteful than anything in Blonde. What do you think?
1: I would. I'm not going to say anything. I I am going to not say anything.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, I'll say it for you. And here's what I'm going to say: Here comes the money.
2: We're in the money. We're in the money.
0: All righty. Um, All right. So, if you're watching this for the first time, helps if I put the thing on screen you're watching this for the first time and you're like oh okay why isn't this working now god damn it um we the show is this damn you hollywood is a podcast in three parts and the second part of it is where we discuss the film finance now (laughs) there have been a lot of different versions of, of how we've done this in the past uh we used to do like a news segment or whatever and i just robert and i just love to talk about film finance and even when there isn't one to be had because this wasn't in a tradition this wasn't a traditional box office release there we go um this wasn't a traditional box office release we still like to talk about where we are in terms of in theater film release finances uh we just love talking about money don't we robert we
1: have not had the opportunity in a couple of weeks to discuss bombs and boy (laughs) do we have the mark let's, let's pat ourselves on the back here real fast yes sir We called at least two of these. (laughs) Yeah, we did. Speaking of
0: bombs. (laughs) Anywho. So just, uh, again, point of order. The budget on Blonde was $22 million. I just want to look at the release. Okay. Uh, Blonde had its world premiere in competition at the 79th Venice International Film Festival on September 8th, 2022. Followed sure by a screening.
1: A, I'm sure received a multi minute standing ovation.
0: Yeah, pantsless. Everyone dropping their pants, just liquid everywhere. Uh, followed by a screening at the 48th D'Voeuvre American Film Festival. It was released on Netflix on September 28th after an initial release date of September 23rd. The film also had a limited theatrical release in New York City that began on September 16th, 2022. Ladies, ladies, if you would like to take a trip with me? I want to go to one of these. Look at that.
1: Look at that, man. He will treat you right. You will have a good time. You will laugh. You will cry. You will feel heard, listened to, validated. He's big. He's cuddly. There is no downside to taking a trip like this with Mark Radlich at some point. So if you feel so inclined, I can only encourage you to do so.
0: I want to go to one of these film festivals. I I want to go to Toronto or... um, you know, I
1: live like 40 minutes from Sundance.
0: Do you, oh God, I might have to come visit. <laughs> I might have to come visit you. I, I might have have to come
1: vi- you. I don't have a place for you to stay. I mean, you have to get I a I'll now, will but,
0: figure it out. But,
1: uh, it, hang on, it might be more than 40 minutes because that's up there through the. Canyon. Doesn't
0: matter. This has now become my new about thing. About an I'm, hour. I'm going. We'll I'm, hour. I'm visiting Utah. I have to go to a Sundance Film Festival. You have to come with me. Um, and whatever lucky lady joins me. Um. <laughs> We could be the Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. There he there, there is. Rose is Robert Winfrey. I give the you the Gemini, flowers. but there's three of
1: us. Like triplets, <laughs> you fucking asshole. <laughs> hey! You're one church
0: of the show. That that line, I, I I had I
1: literally I started watching this early like late Sunday evening I think mm-hmm. I got to that line paused it turned off Netflix said nope I can't do this <laughs> I will do it we will try again tomorrow that's all I can do for tonight
0: good, good night everybody <laughs> um wow this is the one that made you after all the garbage I've made you watch this made you nope out well, um it, listen it hang on the point that I was trying to get to break. <laughs> You, I want to go to Toronto or Sundance or some one of these other film festivals, just so I can be the one guy, two guys, both <laughs> of us, Gemini's, triplets, just so we can be the guys that stand up, and while everyone's just filleting whatever nonsense piece was ushered out by some Arrested Development man child or woman child, because I'm not sexist, that put out a I yeah, I want to be the one guy. I want to be the old woman, just from the Princess Bride. Boo! I want filth, slime. I want to be, filth, slime, want to be that old woman. I want to. Be... I identify as an old, crabby, homeless, <laughs> dirty woman, screaming boo. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to be able to say, "No, you assholes! No, stop applauding the." The Emperor has no clothes. Why? It's such a simple concept. Yeah. And yet lost, lost in 22. Lost at 22 is a life of agony song, but we are lost. Lost (laughs) in the year 2022, Robert Winfrey. All right. Unless you're making a non-Marvel Unless
1: you're making a non-Marvel big budget blockbuster, in which case the knives come out.
0: (laughs) Everybody at Sundance killed. You tell me I'm wrong. (laughs) All right, yeah, you're right. Well, well, I I, got, I misunderstood you at first. Yeah, if we blew a Marvel film. We ain't getting out of there alive, and you and I both had a fight. Hey, um, I, look again. It's within my home state. I know the self defense laws fairly well, actually. <laughs> we were coming strapped. Ready look, to rap. well, you and me back to back in a theater, fighting <laughs> off
1: a herd of terrible nerds.
0: This is a fucking critics. movie pitch, man.
1: You're darn right it is. We will make, we will, we will combo the other guys with film criticism. And that's us.
0: (laughs) The day film died. Darn right. All right. Moving on. The box office, September 30th through October 2nd. The number one movie of the weekend, which I am going to be seeing with uh one of my friends who said, save this one for me. I want to see it. I don't know when we're going to do this. You're going
1: to go watch Smile. That's going to be something.
0: I was asked to go watch Smile, and Robert Winfrey. I don't know if you know this about me or not, but I aim to please. Arr. And um, one, of so, the, one of the many reasons someone should take you up on that offer of a trip. Goddamn right. So, I will be eventually going to see Smile. Um, wasn't what I planned on, but I'm gonna go anyway. It was the number one movie of the weekend, and apparently, it kicked all kinds of ass. Uh, twenty two million for Paramount Pictures. So, yay Paramount. Still a better studio than than uh, Warner Brothers.
1: Okay, now now we get to have fun yelling.
0: <laughs> yeah, we do. Don't worry, darling.
1: This terrible <laughs> piece of crap.
0: Dude, dude, Warner Brothers has already had an embarrassing year, just like a historically embarrassing year. is not getting much better here. Don't worry, darling. Fell from one to two. Here's had a 64.6% 60, only... drop in its second week. So you, so
1: for the record, you barely cracked double digits first week. Right? Because we're dealing with a little over half of six million. Right. So you're like ten and change. You now... Look, the the horror stories about the experience of that film by all the actors is so much <laughs> more interesting than the movie itself. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know... I'm sure Olivia Wilde's a nice person. Actually, I'm not sure of that, but I'll say it for legal purposes. Okay, But, like, no one who worked on that movie can stand her anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> She's kind of getting into what's the fucking asshole's name from um, the second Avengers movie? J- Josh Whedon. She's entered into the Josh Whedon territory. After, like, this was her debut. Like, this is her first directed movie. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good start. Uh, the Woman King, hailed by critics and audiences far and wide as a triumph. Hailed and... by nobody. <laughs> Released in September, which is the only reason anyone went to go see this thing. They wandered off the street when it was raining and saw the first available movie, and it happened to be The Woman look, King.
1: Th- there were people sheltering from the hurricane, and they turned on The Woman King and they braved the hurricane.
0: <laughs> think... Woman King. Look at A- that A- bomb.
1: A- look at that bomb. Look at it. Ugh! Love it. We should be dropping that on our enemies.
0: <laughs> I think the woman king is what was responsible for what happened in Fort Myers. <laughs> it didn't help.
1: <laughs> you release okay, this is God telling us we're on the wrong path. You release the woman king and look what happens.
0: Yeah. Speaking of which, Avatar in its third week re-released from uh whatever fucking year this what was, a, 2020 bro. I think it was, or 20, uh, 2000 I think it was when Avatar came out. Uh dropped from 3 to 4. I'm just curious now. Hang on, hang on, Googly. Let's go back. So this is three weeks, right? And we haven't done this since Pinocchio. Correct. So go back a few th- weeks. Yeah, let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back three weeks. One, two, three.
1: Okay. Uh, so, that... uh, yeah, we had the one that were barbarian one.
0: Right, hang on.
1: It's either the 16, 18, or the twenty-three, twenty-five.
0: That's what I'm trying. To, well, I'm trying to figure out what what weekend it was re released. Was it this weekend or the one before that? Because it would, have
1: been, it would have been not this weekend, but the one before it. I'm pretty sure.
0: Okay, so it would have been.
1: Hey, the Woman King technically won its opening weekend with twelve million. Good for you.
0: Ooh, the new tray. So September 9th, you think? No, Which I want to say like twenty-three, twenty-five. Yep, there it is. Yeah, Avatar debut. <laughs> so don't worry, dar- darling. Darling, debut at number one. The Woman King fell from one to two. Avatar, de- A- Avatar, twenty-year-old movie, debuted at number three. Yep. Just saying. Just That's saying. where
1: that's where we are in September.
0: September, <laughs> baby. Woo. <Whoa. laughs> Stare upon it and weep. Um, I did. Bros, which I believe is also on Peacock, not a real service, debuted at number five. Something else that I'm not even gonna bother pronouncing debuted <laughs> at number six. <laughs> Barbarian, um, which is 20. It says 20th century, but it's really Disney. Fell from four to seven. Bullet Train, seven, to eight. DC uh, League of Super now as I believe, on is on Blu-ray and, a bomb. Uh, and digital and, and a bomb. Fell from eight to nine. Top Gun Maverick, uh, nine to ten. See how they run. Drop the from best. five to Hang eleven. The most
1: successful movie of the year: Top Gun: Maverick.
0: by a country mile. Um, another Indian movie debuted number twelve. Minions. Woo hoo! Woo! We love the minions. Uh, drop from ten to thirteen. Moonage Daydream, which is the de- which. Speaking of incoherent, the <laughs> <laughs> speaking of vanity projects. Speaking of fucking edited in a blender. Uh, this is the David Bowie documentary put out by neon which I saw with my <laughs> wife and Jesus uh, Christ
1: your wife has put up with a lot if you saw it, both
0: neon and blonde in a relatively short period of time um well she wanted to see Mooney's daydream I I took her to that I'm, I'm, I'm just saying like you two have endured a lot you need to yeah, find yeah. something that you can both enjoy not being with each other hey um <laughs>
1: Projecting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Damn it. Um, the good house, number 15. Hey, you know what? I saw Pearl over the weekend. Can we talk about that? I'm gonna talk a little bit more about this on the Whiskey Rebellion Thursday. But just real quick, I saw Pearl, which is the prequel to X. X is one of my favorite movies this year. Sean and I reviewed it on Triple Feature when we did porn adjacent movies. That was one of them. That was the leadoff. Uh X was the one of the best, if not the best X horror the movie this year.
1: <laughs> X, the sequel to W. <laughs>
0: Um (laughs) one of the better horror movies of this year, definitely um one of the better movies of this year. So I was so I had the opportunity over the weekend to go see Pearl. Um, just it was off the cuff. I happened to be out with a friend, and um and we were like, Hey, let's go to the movies. And that just happened to be the one playing, and I was like, Oh, I really want to see this. This is a sequel to this is a prequel to a really, really good movie that I saw earlier in the year. Let me tell you how. Had timing worked out better and I had put a little bit more thought into focusing a little bit more on indie features like from A24 and not kind of what we normally do on this show, I probably would have insisted we review Pearl. Pearl is excellent. I mean, horror, as you know, you being an expert on the subject, is... Eh, Enthusiast,
1: I'm not an expert.
0: Maltreated genre. It is definitely one... That people think they know why, think they know why horror works, go on to make a horror movie based on their beliefs about how horror works, and then audiences far and wide go, this is not why we like horror. Pearl is a really great, almost Hitchcockian example of how to use tension in a movie and restraint and make your kills effective. All right, I, I'm, I'm getting, a, I'm getting a, a word here from my producer. Saw it with my girlfriend, okay? Start with my girlfriend, uh, who's currently watching the show tonight. Saw Pearl with my girlfriend, and she's wonderful, and the movie was fantastic. There, I corrected the record. Moving on. Um, it's corrected. Let the, the record show. I saw Pearl with my girlfriend. Voilà. Um, Pearl is excellent, and it's a, it is an effective use of film, to discuss a series of issues, one being mental health, uh, isolation, all kinds of stuff. Isolation is great for your mental health. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Now you're projecting.
1: Not like the the country went crazy after a few (laughs) few weeks of lockdowns.
0: Really. But uh, I really, look. If you're like, I just can't when is Black Adam coming out? I gotta go see a movie. Please, <laughs> <laughs> please don't be afraid to go see go see Pearl. Go go support anything A24, but go see Pearl, especially if you're a horror fan. You will, if nothing else, the woman's performance, the the, the still shot, not the still shot, the center frame shot of this woman's face at the end, Mia Goth, who like deserves all the flowers, all the awards. This woman deserves so many roles in Hollywood. She was outstanding in this. The center frame shot of her face as the movie Iris is out slowly and the film credits roll is the scariest fucking thing you're going to see all year. And it's amazing. Just take my word for this. If you can't get to the theater, definitely PVOD it when you're available and it's made available to you. You will not. X was great. Pearl might be even better. It really is outstanding. And I'll talk more about it tomorrow in a little bit more detail. Um, All right. Now that I've done that. Pearl, fan fiction. (laughs) (laughs) Pearl fell from 6 to 16. The Invitation, which even horror fans, like, ugh. Um, That fell from 11 to 17. Super Spreader debuted at 18. Clarks, um, which is actually on 4 right now. Yeah, uh, that went up a few spots. Well, that opened more theaters, it looked like. uh, 23 to 19. And finally, Where the Crawdads Sing, landing in at number 20. So that is where we are. We also have debuts for Vesper, Olympia with a Vengeance, um, Wolfpack and Sirens, and Betwixt Now and the Sunrise. So that is the weekend that was worldwide. Where do we stand, while. Robert Let's Unfrey? see what's changed. Nothing. Nothing at all. Um, that's not true. Oh no, we've had our second cross into a billion.
1: Jurassic World managed by the skin of its teeth, and I assume at least one person directly involved with the filmmaking renting out multiple theaters every day. It scrapes its way across the billion dollar mark.
0: Jurassic World Dominion, the reason why we can't have nice things, ladies and gentlemen. Pretty much. (sighs) I can't. Anyway, Top Gun Maverick. I hate, Maverick.
1: That,
0: movie. I hate <laughs> I, that movie. Dude, I know idiots. I know <laughs> idiots. You don't need <laughs> who, to exaggerate on that <laughs> sentence. <laughs> there's was a very pregnant pause. Um, <laughs> who, much like, you know, as I was saying before, people like my wife, they just want to enjoy movies. They're not film people. They don't study this stuff. They just want to be entertained for two hours. Who fucking hated Jurassic World Dominion? And everybody, everybody... Everybody has the same complaint. Why, when you advertise the movie where the dinosaurs are running wild and tearing apart the earth, did you only focus on this small island of dinosaurs? Why?
1: Where they're not even running wild and tearing things apart most of the time.
0: No, we got a montage of that in the beginning and then, then the same fucking Jurassic one scene, Park one movie. Scene or of, like,
1: one scene of terrible raptor CGI chasing people through streets. That's it.
0: Look, I know you and I got into like a fist fight over Jurassic World, but at least Jurassic World delivered what it promised. Dinosaurs fucking up a theme park.
1: I will absolutely agree with you on that again. I did not like Jurassic World, but it was exactly what it set out to be. That is undeniably true.
0: It was glorious. Anyway, Top Gun Maverick, still uh, the most successful movie of this year because when, One you give men, because when you give men what they want, everyone gets everyone gets what they need.
1: $1.4 billion. Good on everyone involved in that except Dead Eyes, Miles Teller.
0: <laughs> Jurassic World, uh, as we just said, crossed a billion. And then Doctor Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Missed Opportunities. At 955, Minions, 924, minions. the most successful animated movie since I think the pandemic. Um, The Batman at 770, Thor Love and Thunder eking Thor. its way to 760.
1: Hang on, hang on, because I hate
0: that movie too.
1: Thor <laughs> Love and Thunder not beating the Batman. Suck it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Speaking speaking of directors that nobody says no to, eat a dick, take a watini.
1: Y- you know what? I gotta say this very briefly. I hate Thor Ragnarok. I really do. We've heard. Hang on. I'm making a point. I know. Thor Ragnarok at least has a coherent narrative. It's really? it's boring in places. It's way overwrought. It is tonally inconsistent, but it makes sense from beginning to end. Love and, and here's part of the reason for this. Taika Waititi, he directed Ragnarok, but he was a contributing writer, not the only writer. He's the only writer on Thor: Love and Thunder. If you yes, want to understand, shows. if you want to understand the fundamental, di- like, I understand why people like Ragnarok. I disagree with them, but I understand the scene in Ragnarok where Loki as Odin is watching that terrible stage play of the end of the of Thor: The Dark World where he's doing it for his own amusement. Compare and contrast that scene with the stage play sequence from Thor Love and Thunder, where Melissa McCarthy shows up as Hela for some reason. That will tell you everything about the difference between those two films, and I hate them both. (laughs) But, yeah, just, ugh.
0: Um, Alright, Watergate Bridge, the Chinese Chinaman propaganda movie, number 7, Fantastic Beasts, number 8, Sonic, number 9, Uncharted, number uh, 10. poor Sonic. Alright, here are all the movies that did better than Morbius this year. <laughs> <laughs> Uncharted, Elvis, the bad guy. Um, Elvis got getting props for the most successful Boz Lerman movie ever. Good for it. So I was listening to your, your Everyone Loves a Bad Guy. It was either on Hauntings or on Universal Monsters. and
1: Both, one of, of, which of, came you, out,
0: both of which were re-released recently. So it could have been either. Yeah, that's why I, I, one of those two, and I just listened to him today, Um, and you and Sean were talking about Boss Lerman, and he went on a fucking rant about how overrated (laughs) Boss Lerman is, and I'm just thinking about Elvis now, and I'm like, gosh, well-timed. Well, Well,
1: you know, at the time especially, it was accurate.
0: (laughs) The Bad Guys at number 12, uh, Bullet Train, Lightyear, Too Cool to Kill, Nice View, DC League of Super Pets, The Lost City, and nope, all did better than Morbius. Outstanding. It's morbid, morbid time. Ugh. i, I, I right. got
1: I still want to like punch Jared Leto for his association with that film. All right. Well
0: September Man has Man. ended and we are now into Rocktober. Heck um, yes. Terrifier two, bring it on. Okay. Well you,
1: you, uh, you would hate a it. The limited
0: but... fucking release. Okay, calm down there.
1: Binky. No, no, no. L- look terrifier is a really like gonzo style slasher movie i forget where it streams mm-hmm. at the moment but if you're into that kind of stuff it's great and it's got yeah. a couple of like genuinely unsettling sequences sequel even more over the top like i i am in on it as long as everybody knows what's up um if you want to kind of a loose understanding of terrifier it's a slightly crazier version of um god what was the movie Horror movie we watched with the head that came out of the back of the girl's skull and she fought through.
0: Oh, uh, fucking, um, not mangled, malignant, malignant. Yes,
1: it's a crazy, it's a slightly crazier version of malignant if we're talking tone. So, very different right. story. But
0: so this week being October seventh, uh, the wide releases are Lyle, Lyle Crocodile. This will a, probably win uh, the weekend. Eh, probably. Um, it's, it's getting a lot of play. Marketing-wise. They ran they they ran the marketing campaign campaign earlier this year. It's only other big um competitor is Amsterdam, with which has got an all-star cast. It's put out by Walt Disney. I, I've seen some trailers for it, but you'd have to be going to the movies a lot to see trailers for it. And I don't you know uh, really uh, to it.
1: Who's the director on Amsterdam? I want to say it's Wes Anderson or someone similar.
0: Um It does not say here.
1: Oh, hang on! How did it not say the director?
0: Crew information. Oh my God. I hate, I fucking hate box office mojo now. I, I have to look. It doesn't play well with your computer. Well, not only that, but everything is like through a paywall now. Um, Anyway, yeah, the only other major competitor for the for the wide release weekend is Amsterdam. So yeah, more okay. than likely, Lyle, Lyle Crocodile know what? is going to win the weekend.
1: If Lyle, if Crocodile doesn't win the weekend, it's going to be one of the bigger bombs of the year. Like there, that's that's yeah. how that's going to go.
0: So that's October seventh, um, October fourteenth. The wide release is Halloween Ends, which is also day and date on Peacock. I, I got to ask you, what do you think? You know, third year, second year in a row that they're doing this with a Halloween movie. Uh, last year was because Blumhouse was like, yeah, they fucked up the marketing and this was this was how they were going to deal with it. I'm not entirely sure why they decided to do it this year when this one, was, I, this would be I, a draw for the theater.
1: I feel like they shot. I feel like when those were bought, mm-hmm. they bought both of them and had like kind of the thing that was just, hey, we're going to do both of the same. Like, I feel like there's a contractual thing in there. Sure. Um, kind of looking forward to that one. Actually, it'll probably win it's weekend.
0: Probably even, I mean, but the problem is it's gonna, you know, the box office receipts will be retarded due to the day and date. They will be be depressed, but I still think it'll win its weekend. It could have, and
1: it's absolutely could have done more if it wasn't day and date on Peacock million
0: percent. Here's the the reason why I'm not like gonna vociferously argue with you about that. Everything else is a limited release, it's the only wide release of the weekend.
1: So either the previous week repeats or it's Halloween, and I tend to think it'll be Halloween.
0: All right, um, October twenty first, Black Adam, Take we to, to Paradise. Only old people will be seeing Ticket to Paradise. Maybe everybody else will be going to see Black Adam. It'll win its weekend faux show.
1: Sure. You know what? I'm I, I'm not predicting it's gonna bomb, but I'm gonna say this about Black Adam. Um, this might be more of a tipping of a potential tipping point for a lot of the people involved than we might have thought. Like the DC, the whole DC thing is, is constantly in flux. If this fails as well, like, I don't know what they're going to do. Well, you know, and the rock star power, he's like, you and I have talked about this in the past. The guy just works a lot, right? So he, he generally gets one big hit, one decent return and one that very underperforms because he's releasing three to four movies a year kind of tracks.
0: Here's what I'll tell you. This if of,
1: this is uh, one of his ones that underperforms, he might be the one that takes a hit more than anything else. We
0: haven't had a superhero movie since Thor Love and Thunder. We haven't had a superhero Hasn't movie that... Hasn't it been ap- nice? <laughs> we haven't had a super movie, nah, a superhero movie that appeals to men and boys since Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange was if, May. To the extent that Doctor Strange does, yes. I mean, it... Ap- <laughs> That's just, a qualifier I'm
1: throwing on that's just a qualifier I'm throwing on there. Like, you are entirely correct. Black Adam is a, that's in, hopefully, if they screw this up, if they screw this up in the story and the presentation, like, if they, if we go to see Black Adam and we come out of that going, well, they aimed that at someone other than men. Like, that's a failure on so many conceptual and personal levels. I don't even know that there's a word in the English language for it.
0: So... I think Black Adam is going to do well. Maybe it'll, you know, I, I had a bet with Chris Bailey. I'm probably going to end up losing that bet because I lose all my bets. But um, I think it'll do better than what we're saying now. I just don't think it'll do as well as I thought it was going to do at the beginning of the
1: year. Well, well so what's your bet? With, what's the number on your bet with
0: Bailey? Oh, I got to go back to my fucking pictures, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I had okay. to, I had to save it so, so I wouldn't okay. forget what the bet was. I think, it, I think I said it was going to. I think. The, I think the demarcation line was seven hundred million. I think less than seven hundred million, I got to do whatever kitty bullshit he wants me to do, and north of seven hundred million, he has to do my sexy stuff. So it's a tri- so I think at the time when I was doing nine hundred podcasts, I um, I think I wanted him to do a triple feature of like showgirl, striptease, and uh, whatever the stripper one with Jennifer Lopez was. Um, hustle. Yeah, that's the one.
1: Don't know why I remember that. Yeah, what? I've never seen. The, I've not seen the movie. Like I'm just. I. I don't know why I remembered that, but my recall is I'm still an elephant over here and never forgets. Have I seen All any right. of those? Now that I think about it. Oh come
0: on! You have you have seen Showgirls?
1: I have not seen. No, I haven't seen Showgirls.
0: Oh my god! It's like a cultural touchstone.
1: I'm aware. <laughs> Have, you, have you noticed how divorced I am from the culture? Okay. I have seen strip striptease on television once. Which, w- w- which does, of course, ask... W- I now must ask the somewhat existential philosophical question, have I ever even seen it then?
0: <laughs> Fair. <laughs> All right, and then finally we close out the month of October with uh, Pray for the Devil, formerly known as The Devil's Light. Um, It's In a theory, wide release, but oh my god... Change your name, delay it by several months, and fucking bury it at the end of I'm, October.
1: I'm not going to no be marketing. I'm not Jesus gonna be Christ! They, they might push this to 2023. They it's might like between, push
0: this to 20. They might tw- push this to 2033 at the rate it's going.
1: Look, they're going to pick it up. They're going to pat it on the head and just shove it into a streaming service.
0: <sighs> yeah, I Lionsgate needs to fucking form a partnership with like Netflix or somebody real quick. Um, that that that's that studio's going down the fucking drain uh anyway that's the only wide re- there's another wide release tar mm. I don't and then that's that that's is. the end of that um the next re- after black adam though the next really big wide release oof. jeez we are nothing um
1: there is just nothing like the first bit of november just
0: looks dead we got no bananas Black Panther, Nobody November eleventh. Yeah, the crowning of Shuri is Black Panther.
1: Boy, how badly, <laughs> how badly is that looking right about now? They fire the actress. <laughs>
0: this is like, this is really a fucking fucked up year for like superhero movies when you think uh, about I just, it. Between, look, between man, this I just, and the Flash and wait, Aquaman. Wait, wait, wait! Stop!
1: Stop! 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 Roll back up. Hang on. I. Oh, yes. get bent with your two hour and 40 minute run time on Wakanda, i didn't forever. want
0: to say anything oh <laughs> my
1: oh god
0: i'm gonna see that with children maybe i won't <laughs> maybe
1: that's scare awful everyone. oh <laughs> i mean i get that like 40 minutes of that is to charles funeral or something where we all <laughs> You're no, no, a royal no, funeral no. in it's real time. 20... All of
0: Wakanda will, will, will just superimpose stuff from the Queen's funeral. on no, no, Wakanda. no. Fuck that, man. No, no, no. You got it fucking wrong, uh, dude. It's, it's one minute of his funeral at the beginning of the movie just to get it done. 40 minutes of Shuri's coronation at the end. That, too. Ugh. And then her
1: recap. The, then at the end, like, the director comes on or some mar- uh, Kevin Feige. We get a recorded thing that's edited onto the end of this. And in the future, the role of Shuri will be played by a completely different
0: actress. <laughs> <laughs> by Brie Larson. Sure. <laughs> Two hours and 40 minutes? Why?
1: Because Disney won't say no either, apparently.
0: Oh, my God. It's the same asshole that did the first one, didn't he? I believe it's still Ryan Coogler. Is this how Hollywood just works now? It's like you make one successful movie and despite yourself, I don't and know, then nope. like the next yeah. time around, every adult leaves the fucking room and just leaves you with a loaded handgun and a fucking grenade and cocaine and says, have at it? Well, uh, mm, Especially if you're a woman or not white.
1: I mean, Jordan Peele, Jordan Peele gets to do whatever he wants.
0: Do you remember the old days, Robert Winfrey? <laughs> When there were were
1: three studio executives with shotguns pointed at the back of the director's head all throughout the entire
0: (laughs) filming process. Do you remember? Pepperidge Farm remembers when film was a collaborative process and not every fucking homeless, coke-addled lunatic got $20 million and the right to make whatever vanity project he wanted? How have we forgotten that the auteur theory of filmmaking
1: doesn't work in 99% of cases?
0: (sighs) Ugh. This has been a depressing and awesome show all at the same time. <laughs> awesomely depressing. <laughs> awesomely depressing. Welcome to the welcome to the Rattling Gym Broadcasting Network. The and we've got another experience.
1: segment to go, baby.
0: Oh yeah, let's do this. <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready? I thought you were
1: just gonna play it. <laughs> no, on. no, Chicago, he said. <laughs> <laughs>
0: are you ready
2: are you ready no i said are you ready
0: no god no god please no 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 Robert Winfrey, my friend. Mark. We often are accused, you and I. Many this things. Movie, this movie is five minutes longer than Wakanda forever. I hate. Just I fucking hate. I just hate. Just I hate everything.
1: Mark, <clears throat> if I may, one of the many times I've said this to you, welcome to the curve. I've been ahead of it.
0: <laughs> I'd like my cookie now. Uh, and Punch. I, I did not <laughs> I promised you none of that. <laughs> <laughs> I was promised punch and pie. Speaking of punch and pie, you and I, sir, have been accused by women and children alike of being a little negative. I oh, don't know if
1: I what well, what I don't understand how we could be so badly misrepresented. What could ever lead these people to the notion that you and I are negative?
0: People have often said, I believe unfairly, that you and I are a little too hard on the beaver. Arr. That you and I are a little too critical of the films that people love and enjoy, that, that bring joy to their hearts, Robert Winfrey. We suck the joy out of the film watching experience. That you is know, what we're accused of.
1: I here's my only response to that. I wish I had that much power. <laughs> well, sometimes, Robert, we
0: fucking hit the ball straight on. More than more often than we're <laughs> given credit for sometimes we nail it dead to rights. Ladies and gentlemen, the critical score on rotten tomatoes for this pile of crap 42% and that is probably because some of these people were desperate to be invited to the party.
1: No, so we have a we have an entire generation of critics that have no balls. They will not say anything bad.
0: But in a rare modern uh happenstance when the audience and the Ooh. critics are great 32 audience score with over a thousand ratings i guarantee you 31 of that 32 was people were like i thought i was gonna see honor of the tits flopping in the sexy breeze and no, did not I, get that i, I mm
1: resisting urge, <laughs> co- resisting urge to comment on andarmis's physique which I will resist no don't do that that's not nice i'm I'm not doing I said I'm resisting it I'm not saying anything
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'd be willing to bet at least twenty percent of this is review bombs from people going no abortion's good fair <laughs> like, <laughs> but look we're all happy to call out review bombs when it's the when it's the idiots uh, mm-hmm. when it's the people on one side of the theoretical aisle. We do need to acknowledge that this is not a this is a mute this is a symmetrical weapon. It's not asymmetrical warfare
0: here. Anna de Armas tits are luminous. Sorry, Anna de Armas luminous performance makes it difficult to look away. <laughs> but... <laughs> you were
1: probably more correct with your first step. <laughs> For no, a lot of blonde... people, you were probably more correct when you said that.
0: Yeah, but blonde can be hard to watch. No, she can be, <laughs> as it teeters between commenting on exploitation and contributing to it. Did we mention this film is incoherent? More than a little bit. All right, <sighs> folks. If you've never oh. watched, if you've never oh. watched, damn you, Hollywood before. This is the part where we read the snippets that Rotten Tomato posts from film critics far and wide. The fun of this segment is to find the ones that go against the grain to point out why these people are idiots. And that's why we do this. It was a very natural segment. We just started doing it one day because I thought some of the reviews were so bad they needed to be read out loud and called out. And it just became became a permanent part of the show.
1: We are contributing to the record about these people.
0: All right. Jennifer Green of Common Sense Media. I'll be the judge of that, madam. <laughs> Camera angles, focus, color, and sound all conjure Marilyn's mindset and mood. Because this person is is an expert
1: on the mindset and mood of a person. Well, been was dead
0: her mindset 40 years. and mood fucking kaleidoscope? Like well, given how many barbiturates she was on, it sometimes maybe well maybe at the end then some of these techniques are quite effective and memorable others just feel showy and more about form than content all right you are way too kind yeah uh, david gonzalez of real talk incorporated i got your incorporation it's in my shorts blonde erupts into a fever dream of an old hollywood fable Oh, a brawling no. sp- look at one of hollywood's most prominent icons as she weaves through trauma, objectification, and self-destructiveness. Okay.
1: The closest thing you had to being accurate about this film was saying fever dream. I assume you've never had a fever dream, sir. They are not good.
0: Uh, William Bib- Bibbiani of a podcast that I like called Critically Acclaimed says, deeply unpleasant and cruel to watch and to no meaningful end. We agree with you, William Bibbiani. You did good today. I'm I'm team.
1: genuinely hoping that one of these people is that is quoting does the Macbeth quote <laughs> <laughs> because it might actually be applicable here.
0: Hey, Robert Winfrey. Uh yes. It's Ed Whitfield of the tray Of course, it is the Tray. Says. Oh,
1: get bent on the. I'm sorry, I've read the last line. <laughs> I,
0: I, let me let me do my I, bit, please. An artful, sometimes pretentiously overwrought... Sometimes. And and palpably aggressive attack on the male gaze... Oh, fuck off. That's two, buddy. No, no, no. Let me get this out of my system for just a minute here. (laughs) Wait, wait. Can I finish reading my sentence? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. An artful, sometimes pretentiously overwrought and palpably aggressive attack on the male gaze, and the portrait of a woman destroyed by the lushy, induced and overstimulated males. Look... I'm not here to comment on the invention of the phrase, the male gaze. When I watched the remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I gave an example where I thought the male gaze was being used and commented on it and criticized the film for it. So This this is not to say that the male gaze does not exist or is a, you know, kind of like toxic masculinity, just a shit thing Twitter came up with. But you have to watch where you use this. You cannot just throw it at everything you don't like. No, no, no. Your it, witness, it, sir. It, the
1: male gaze has become the film equivalent of racist, sexist, bigot, homophobe, and political discourse. Yeah. Whether it's applicable or not, you throw it out there and you, you pretend that invoking it somehow it renders you immune to rebuttal. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And I'm just going to throw this out there because I'm sure the jackass writing for the Utre is unaware of actual history. Marilyn Monroe was not destroyed by the lust she triggered and overstimulated males. She was destroyed by decadence, lack of self-control, and an entire culture in Hollywood at the time that led to a great number of people falling down that same path. She wasn't actually unique in that regard. She was just high profile. Uh, I mean, is the fictional biography of Kurt Cobain when it comes out going to ta- <laughs> wind up talking about how he was destroyed by the grief and darkness that he invoked in others? Just pull your bottom lip over your head and swallow and <laughs> save us all the pr- trouble of dealing with you in the future.
0: I'm reading this one, even though it's a rotten review, but it cracks me up. And I, I just this uh... is the, this is the part of the show where I lament. Our position after ten plus years of doing this—that we are still toiling in obscurity. Though I don't know why we—we're so crowd ple- pleasing,
1: <laughs> aren't we? Just <sighs> so friendly to sponsors. And
0: How do we get smooth, ignored? Technical and not...
1: <laughs> application, no technical problems. Smooth presentation. None of us have said anything controversial.
0: Um. So. I mean, <laughs> this asshole, this fucking asshole, is on Rotten Tomatoes, and here we struggle. Here we struggle. Adam Olinger of Adam Does Movies, do you, do you, pal? YouTube content creator. He says, and this is very poignant. I believe, I believe this sums up 2022 for me. I really <laughs> okay. do. Okay. It's, it's the whole fucking year, all of it. All right. It's art. And I hate it.
1: That's that's an unhelpful review. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't deep, even... Deeply unhelpful. I'm not entirely sure that's an accurate summation of 2022 either, but I will allow your individual experiences to
0: differ from mine in that respect. Do a few more of these and <sighs> put, put this fucking whole review in its misery. <laughs> Oh, uh, my goodness. Mario alegre of Proxima Tanda. A towering work full of contradictions designed to elicit the kind of extreme reactions that it's been gathering and will continue to do so for years to come. No, no. it won't. No, 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 gonna... no. <laughs> no. This movie's not surviving the national conversation of the month of October. It's not surviving the national conversation
1: of the next five days. <laughs> this thing is going to just... Fall away into obscurity, deservedly so. You, sir, put more thought into your review of this than the director did into writing and making it,
0: I would venture to guess. You are. No, I, don't, a, I don't think that's fair. I think he put a lot of thought into it. He's just a toaster oven.
1: No, I, I'm talking about thought as like a genuine objective unit, not as a function of how much oh. he has to offer. Gotcha. Uh,
0: Let's see here. Let's a good one. Adam Kempinar, a film spotting, top critic, best of the best. He gets paid for this, presumably. Is the movie a success because Dominic puts us inside Marilyn's head and makes us experience life through her sad eyes in a way that is off-putting and difficult? Or is this yet another person exploiting her and her sadness? Thank you for nakedly waxing philosophical in a pile of Twinkies, you fucking asshole. There's so much wrong (laughs) with that. (laughs)
1: Look, if you want to have a conversation about the nature of exploitative biopics and whatnot, I'm not saying you can't have that conversation. I'm saying that a deliberately fictionalized version of someone's life, I'm sorry, at that point, you don't actually get to call it exploitative if you re- put this much fiction into it. Sorry, you don't.
0: Nick Johnston is easily impressed of Vanyaland.
1: Not surprising.
0: I bet he goes bowling with Kevin Carr of v- that guy at the movies. I haven't found yet. Gonna I find bet it. he
1: didn't review it. One he of the few to... times he can claim to be smarter than us, he didn't see
0: it. Because <laughs> he, he was reviewing the monsters, more than likely. Which Probably. We which we would have reviewed had I not been sequestered because of a hurricane.
1: And apparently was also just a giant train wreck.
0: Oh, oh, oh! Here's the thing. There's so much bad that <laughs> we dodge one ball and get smacked. Do you remember you might have been too young for this but there was a movie um, I think it was called No Big Deal if I'm remembering the, the movie correctly and it's a kid who ends up in like juvenile hall and they're playing dodgeball and he like fakes a shot at one kid and I think it might have been the bully in the jail in the, in the juvenile detention facility he fakes throwing it at him the kid goes to dodge and jumps directly nose first into a pillar
1: I don't remember that, but that sounds awesome.
0: I feel like that's us trying to pick films to review.
1: Just so everyone understands what we were potentially up against for this week.
0: Hocus Pocus 2. Yep. The Munsters. Yep. Blonde.
1: Now, ladies and gentlemen, tell me you wouldn't just rather take a kick to the crotch. (laughs) I would. We could have reviewed
0: Pearl, just saying.
1: Yeah, Um... I don't think we could have. Like, uh, the stars were not aligned for that to happen.
0: No, no, sir. Nick Johnston of Vanya Land. It most formally resembles Jesse James being a nearly three-hour treatise on the nature of fame and infamy whose visuals are lush and performances within are deeply felt and fully realized. Okay, so here's the difference.
1: There's Some of the performances in this are utterly forgettable. The assassination of Jesse James is anchored by one Brad Pitt's ludicrously charismatic performance as Jesse James, and Casey Affleck giving a very understated one as Robert Ford, the man who kills him. There's some real powerhouse acting going on in that movie on multiple levels. Here, you've got Anna de Armas, and that's it. All right,
0: last one. Last one, unless I can find our friend. Right. So, but this friend. one's a doozy. Our friend, our good friend, Kevin Carr. Paul Burns of Sydney Morning Herald, top critic. It's a towering achievement. Towering. Monumental. Positively phallic. If I
1: might, in fact, quote the great Ian Malcolm, that is one big pile of shit.
0: It is a towering achievement, Robert Winfrey, don't you understand, of the Screaming Boy podcast. Just not a pleasant one. A maelstrom of emotions and effects. Like trying to look through a kaleidoscope while being thrown about in a dodge-em car.
1: He's from Australia. I'm going to assume that's um, like a bumper car or something to that effect. effect. It's a colloquialism. Okay. This is not a towering achievement. (laughs) Like, th- this is going to be forgotten immediately. This is not even going to be remembered as much of anything in the pantheon of even this filmmaker who's made at least two better movies.
0: Is that it? Because I'm so seriously hoping you'd go a little bit longer while I look for Kevin Carr. Uh, I, you're not going to find oh, it. What? Hey, the future ex Mrs. Winfrey, Amy Nicholson, Film Week, right, KPCC, K- KPC, NPR Los Angeles, top critic, it just wants you to enjoy soaking up its point of view. And I kind of did, to be honest. Of course you did, Amy. Of course, your uterus aches for this movie. There's something really mythical about it.
1: Oh, there's oh, not. God. Amy Nicholson. You are just trying. A- that review is almost as pretentious as
0: this movie. <laughs> uh, where are you, Kevin Carr? I to I told him.
1: you, I don't think he saw it.
0: What? Who? What you do? What's he reviewing? Hocus pocus. I, could be. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what. Hang on.
1: You keep doing this this way. I'm gonna try something I have never done.
0: Oh, the former ex, uh, Mrs. Winfrey, Carla Renata of the Curvy Film Critic. <laughs> Robin has a lot of ex wives on this on this show.
1: Mark finds this very amusing. <laughs> I really
0: do. Even with a standout performance from the amazing Anna De Amis. Blonde is hard to watch, and for a multitude of reasons, and disrespectful to the legacy of Marilyn Monroe. Let's hope she can finally rest in peace after this one. I'm sure oh, she's you don't care.
1: You don't care about the state of her soul in the afterlife, not one bit. <clears throat>
0: um, Scott Mendelson before okay, gave us a positive.
1: Hang on, he did review Blonde. I think it was just part of it.
0: Well, he's in here somewhere then.
1: Um, either that Are or we, the, I wish yeah. I could
0: search by search by reviewer then. That really would be nice. I mean, there's Robbie Collin. He hates everything. And he liked this movie. Daily Telegraph <laughs> UK Top Critic. It swallows you up like an uneasy dream at once all too familiar and prickly unreal. Okay, yeah. I'm just going
1: to assume you have at least one major drug problem. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right, I can't find him. All right, Kevin Carr. Not- up, Kevin Carr, you got away from us this week, buddy, but you can't run forever, you...
1: <laughs> I actually put in fat guy at the movies, and I, I went to the website.
0: Oh, yeah? <laughs> so oh, Steve To see okay. if you've done it. Okay, so it just didn't make it to Rotten Tomatoes for whatever reason? Not yet, apparently. All right, maybe he, Maybe they got tired of us bullying him.
1: Maybe we bullied him. Maybe we bullied it off of the written form, and now he's... Oh, my God, really could you podcast.
0: imagine? Could you imagine? <laughs> be the best thing i've done with my life i swear to god i'm fucking tapping out if that's the case we're done (laughs) if if he heard one too many of our fucking (laughs) the high water mark of this show if we effectively bullied kevin carr off of rotten tomatoes where he's like i don't want to put my shit up there anymore these two assholes these two assholes won't stop in
1: reality he's not aware of our existence and we all know it but
0: he is aware because i've tweeted him that doesn't... I, so, oh, I, wow. I, You're a I, guy who tweeted him once. I, uh, uh, three times. Oh, three times. With the time code to where we fucking... <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that I'm, you
1: stuck with that for a whole three weeks. My girlfriend
0: thinks I'm a sweet guy. You're so... I'm such an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> this poor innocent man. <laughs> I've read well, his reviews for
1: like two years. Hold on. We may be in the wrong here, but I've read his reviews. He's not innocent. Fair.
0: Fair. Well, folks, this was a return to form, my friend.
1: Not since we reviewed the Northman. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to
0: hug you right now. Like, oh, uh, my friend, we're back. I enjoy the shows we do with other people, uh, but it's when it's just me and you, and I and, and I'm alone with my thoughts. You don't have to <laughs>
1: censor yourself
0: for your children. And I could just unzip my trousers, let my Stop. hair down, <laughs> and be with my friend as we tear film to pieces as we fucking boys don't cry movies.
2: <laughs>
0: no, no better feeling than what I feel right now, my friend. Good to be back. And we will be back. Next week, Uh, here on DMU Hollywood, we'll be doing it on a Monday. Because of all the movies that I said were coming out on the 7th, the one we chose to do is one that's streaming on Hulu. And it's the Hellraiser remake. It is.
1: I'm w- cautiously optimistic at this point. I like some of the creature design that's gone into it. I like the practical effects. But then I saw the, I saw the trailer. Mm. I had a couple of concerns. Um, One, not in love with the acting. Now, trailer, not real movie, so might be different. Not in love with the acting. Love the atmosphere. However, two concerns about that. The big one's the music. Did not love the music. Now, trailer music does not necessarily equal film music. Again, it's a concern, not a giant criticism. But music is a giant component of what makes good Hellraiser movies good. So uh, they really have to get that right. My biggest gripe: I hate the modulation effect they put on Pinhead's voice. It grates on me in ways that are the wrong kind
0: of unpleasant. So we're going to be joined by Sean Comer, who, um, if you go back in the archives, plug plug, uh, Sean Comer and Robert Winfrey, back in one of the times that I took a hiatus from podcasting when I used to do those sort of sorts of things, did a two-part retrospective of the entire Hellraiser series. We did. So Is go back check- up until
1: revelation. So we do not have a discussion of judgment, thankfully.
0: So uh, go back and check out the two-part retrospective, which you can find on W2Mnet.com, um, or in wherever you catch podcasts, or right here on YouTube or Twitch, wherever you can find it. No, it won't be on Twitch because it was all only audio. Any case, uh, it's all there. It's on the Rattling and Broadcasting Facebook page, W2M Facebook page. Go check out the two part retrospective on the Hellraiser series, and then come back a week uh come back monday the 10th for our live damn you hollywood for hellraiser featuring myself sean comer you're not and robert winfrey we'll be back the following we we'll are back on our regularly scheduled bat time on the 18th october 18th for halloween ends we will have an all-star panel it'll be myself robert winfrey arguing with ronnie adams and me and jason teasley watching them both sissy slap fight each other it'll be fantastic so that's we'll- myself Hey, what will we be? Will, will I be fist
1: fighting Ronnie over?
0: <laughs> just, just because you guys can't be in the same room, do we, With that fist fighting? That's um, very much not true. <laughs> so yes, Halloween ends. Myself, Robert, Ronnie Adams of the Actual Screaming Boy Podcast, and Jason Teasley.
1: For the record, for those of you who don't get the joke, does. the Screaming Boy Podcast has been defunct for many a year by now. <laughs> yes. Mark does that because of anno- Mark does that because he finds it funny,
0: and and it annoys the piss out of ronnie ronnie's like i haven't done the screaming boy podcast in so long please i'm more i'm a dungeon master i have a tiktok i do more than this i'm like you'll always be screaming boy podcast to me he's like go fuck yourself rattle mark
1: you're you're a little bit like vince mcmahon in that (laughs) the first impression you form of someone is your impression of them
0: forever till they die um speaking of uh, speaking of go fuck yourself rattle black adam Uh, we'll be reviewing it Monday, October 24th, because I will be at Stevie Nicks on Tuesday. So, um, that'll be just be myself and Robert again until somebody fucking jumps on that podcast. And then, uh, November 1st, we will be reviewing Pray for the Devil. That'll be once again, Robert Winfrey and Jason Teasley, the protocol son. So that's all the damn you Hollywood. We're back every week. In fact, I'm going to go through the whole list here. Whether it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, we will always be doing Damn You Hollywood from Here to Eternity. Hellraiser, Halloween Ends, Black Adam, Pray for the Devil. Um, Okay, we're skipping a week. (laughs) (laughs) But we're skipping a week because it's election night, so we'll be doing our election. We haven't done election coverage in so long. Like 2016 might have been the last time.
1: Um, Andrew and I did it for yeah because
0: I was I was having like jaw and tooth problems and I, and then I couldn't get Spreaker to work so I just fucked off and I'm not doing this.
1: Yeah, so Andrew Graham and I did coverage of 2020, and we're doing the midterms briefly. I imagine we'll take about an hour because it's yeah. midterms, no one actually cares.
0: But we have fun. We have we have fun making fun of the news. So we are la- so
1: bad at it, it's hilarious. So coming would- out with us as we laugh at people.
0: <laughs> yes, as they refuse to call fucking states for the for the political party they don't like. Um, so so instead of doing DMV Hollywood, we'll be doing election coverage. will be nearly as funny. And then we're back with all three fucking hours of Black Panther. Um, a special Wednesday edition, Double Shot, we'll be doing She Said and The Menu. And then Alexis Hanna will be joining us, the current host of DMU, of um, the t- TV party tonight. And then uh, this November 29th, we'll be reviewing Strange World, the latest animated feature from Disney. Is, uh, is that Disney or Pixar? I don't remember. Disney. Disney. Okay. Uh, Violent Night, December 6th. Uh, Guillermo del Toro's uh, Pinocchio, December have 12th. S- have you seen some of the stuff that's come out for that? Because it's all I stop motion. Oh. No, I haven't watched the trailer.
1: It's not a full-blown trailer. It's more just, um, it, it, it's more like a teaser. It's, it's, it's promotional material, but it's Guillermo del Toro kind of talking about the magic of stop motion animation. Mm-hmm. And it it's really cool.
0: Cool, it's got to be Hopefully, better than the. It's got to be better it, than the piece of shit we just reviewed.
1: I refuse to believe Guillermo del Toro's worst movie is light years better than that.
0: Yeah. Um. On December twentieth, Avatar: The Way of the Water, and then finally we end the year with uh, Glass Onion, the Knives Out sequel. And hey, guess what I brought back? So, All Quiet on the Western Front, uh, remake of the former movie. Uh, is being is has been already released on Netflix. But, you know, I like the we have a kind of a tradition that started here a couple of years ago. It kind of happened by accident. The January the, the January early review war picture. Uh, this past year we did. What was it out of time or something? That uh, was the uh, Chamberlain movie with with uh, uh, Jeremy Irons
1: um, Munich. Edge of War.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think before that, that was like 1917, that was you and Andrew. So I kind of like the idea of kicking off the year with whatever the most recent war picture is. We
1: we just, uh, we we get down in the trenches for the next war. Like it's 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 just a barrage of
0: artillery and weeds like to set the tone. <laughs> so Andrew Graham may be joining us for that one. We're going to review All Quiet on the Western Front, which is actually available to watch on Netflix now. But it's also, yay, Robert, dance with me, do the dance of joy. We're bringing back the year in review yay <laughs> by popular demand so that's our january 3rd show for 2023 and then we will kick this shit show up all over again uh, uh this week speaking of re-debuts this thursday 10 o'clock jeff Sloboda will be joining myself jesse starcher and robert cooper will be re-, re bringing back the whiskey rebellion which is my um kitchen table uh talk show various topics segments things that we're doing uh i was asked to do this a little ways back you know to bring back kind of an open format talk show so i decided oh well now is as good a time as any to bring back the whiskey rebellion first time in video format so uh we'll be talking modern dating and dating apps we'll be looking at the wakanda forever trailer the trailer for werewolf by night uh jesse's got a segment planned for us i will do, be doing a mini review of pearl um i'm we're gonna have lots of fun and get into lots of trouble And uh, that's all I got for now. What do you got going on?
1: Well, in addition to all the stuff you currently brought up, I'm going to be on a few episodes of TV Party Tonight that are upcoming. I will be reviewing, uh, we already mentioned him, but Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, when that drops on Netflix, towards the end of the month. And I will be on one. There's another one in a similar vein. Let me double check my schedule because Alexis asked me about this. Are you? Uh, I can't remember what it is. Hang.
0: On. What will... is it that you're trying to? Because I helped her with the schedule earlier. What do you want to know? Uh,
1: Midnight Club. Yes. Is the other one I will be on. Yes. I will be on both of those. So Midnight Club and Cabinet of Curiosities. If you're interested, we will be talking in kind of horror-themed television. That will be me and Alexis Haynes and I believe Jason Teasley on at least one of those so tune in for that if you're so inclined that will be a lot of fun i'm uh, the trailer for cabinet of curiosities has me very intrigued i i liked a lot of what i saw there all right uh, my other stuff if you're so inclined i cover professional wrestling a few nights a week AEW's dark elevation on monday mlw when they get back to releasing stuff which should be at some point this month or next uh, I'll be covering their stuff on Thursdays. I am covering AEW's Dynamite this Wednesday. So tomorrow, that'll be fun. And WWE SmackDown on Friday. I don't actually like professional wrestling, so tune in. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's something of an oversimplification of my relationship with the genre. but I also cover mixed martial arts action. This last week was UFC on ESPN Plus 69, which wound up being a wonky little card. Um, There is no UFC event this week. Next week, there's one headlined by Alexa Grosso and Viviani Araujo, which is about the third most interesting fight on that card. Um, Better than that on that card will be Neil Magny and Daniel Rodriguez, as well as Brandon Royville and Askar Askarov, but I don't put together the UFC cards and decide who gets main events. If you want my full breakdown, again, you can find my coverage and reports in the MMA zone of 411mania.com. If you want My thoughts in a slightly different format, as well as thoughts on news of the week and whatnot. I host the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast on Sunday evenings. Your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. This week, I review that. I talk a little bit about Bellator and one. And I get to rant about USADA a little bit, because those idiots. (laughs) Just very briefly, so you understand why I had to rant. Yeah. Came out last week that the UFC has not drug-tested Conor McGregor in, like, 18 months
0: okay he or, but, he uh, in, a, but he hasn't fought in like 18 years
1: no he fought early he fought like the start of this month when he lost to Dustin Poirier a he really No. Uh, so he hasn't been drug, at least this year he has not been drug tested okay and this came out because you saw it makes these things public and so, and so reporters who paid attention to this stuff went huh Connor's not been drug tested that's really weird wonder why that is And USADA's response to all the speculation that went on, especially as Conor's posting videos of himself jacking up, uh, he's going to be in a movie, right? He's going to be in that stupid um, Roadhouse remake.
0: Oh, right, yeah.
1: So there was a lot of speculation that went on, and USADA's response was, look, USADA doesn't test people if they're notified by the UFC of their retirement, their contract with the UFC is terminated, both of which we already knew, neither of which is applicable here. Or they are otherwise removed from testing. And there's no understanding of what otherwise is.
0: <laughs> all right, man, we got to wrap up here. We're a little over two hours. We're yeah, just yeah, doing plugs.
1: I'm just saying, like, that's why I had to yell because, okay, these idiots again. Yep. So tune in. That's near the end of that podcast where I yell about USADA again. And that's where you can find me. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's what I got. Hope to see you all next week.
0: All right, folks, for Robert Winfrey of 401Mania.com, I am Mark Rattledge of the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network. Thank you for joining us tonight. It's been fun. I'm glad we're back, and we'll be back every week with you uh, through the end of the through the end of 2022, which I am very happy about. Till then, be well, be safe, and behave. <laughs>